Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, your buddy. Blender HD on Twitter. You can follow me there. And this is the show, as you should know already, that uh, we go over a little bit about yesterday's slate. Talk a little bit about today's slate. We're talking about baseball, right? No NBA. I see the NBA. People in, people out, people out. Who knows what's going on? They're playing a game in the afternoon now. Who knows what's going on in the NBA? But MLB is in full force. We finally, we're finally getting like real slates. I'm not saying that the slates, the past, you know, the first week and a half weren't real. But, you know, five games, six game slates, like, okay. It's doable. Sure. Seven games. Oh, but now we're getting like 12 game slates, 10 game slates, 14 game slates, what it should be. Right. So, uh, so I see, see guys in the, in the YouTube chat, you know, I like my YouTube people because you keep my apple juice cold in the morning, apple juice time, hit those thummy thumbs, hit the thumbs up button, hit the notification bell to know when we go live in the morning. Uh, subscribe. Hey, maybe, maybe there's some new people that have not subscribed to the channel. You never know. I see you guys in the chat. Gerald Miller, Chandler Cannon, Jupocalypse, Frederick Dute, Travis Ratliff, Shane Beaver, Mr. Beaver, Mr. Meat Plow. Of course, Mr. Plow's here. Uh, Druard and Tony P and Matt Mears. I see you guys in there. Uh, but yesterday, yesterday, kind of the chalk out there yesterday, right? Kind of, right? Pretty much Oakland was the chalk. Like in the beginning, it's like, was anyone going to score more than three runs or something like in the beginning of the slate, but pretty much the chalk got there. I mean, glass now, I mean, crushed. He was the, he was the highest on pitcher. He crushed Freddie Peralta as the chalk SP two. He crushed. I mean, if you played in Noah, yeah, that in Noah was fine. Also, he was cheaper, right? He got 29. Freddie Peralta got 33. Granky. Granky throws like 70 mile an hour pitches. I'm not even sure, like, I'm not even sure how he ever gets it done, but whatever. He wasn't that owned. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, people got his first two. If he went by his first two starts, he's going to win the Cy Young, but he's Sandy Alcantara, and he was like 8,500 or something. I don't know why anyone played him, but I I stacked against him. That's what I did. Uh, But yeah, the chalk, the chalk, the chalk, the chalk. And then the Oakland stack, right? Oakland, Oakland, pretty much the, the chalk yesterday was Oakland. You got the A's, you got the, the the Astros, depending on the site. It was a little bit different on both sites, but primarily there were three, there were three chalk teams, the A's, the Yankees, and the Astros, right? Then you mix in some one guys here and, you know, whatever. Like I think Otani on, on DraftKings was a little, you know, as a one-off, he was a little underpriced. Uh, we take a look here. Right, we had that Stanton news when we didn't know if he was going to play. Right earlier, he was possibly sitting out, but then he was warming up in the outfield, so we we knew we knew he was playing. Uh, but yeah, so the chalks. I mean, you didn't have to go. You you need you didn't need the chalk. Obviously, the the Yankees like didn't fully get there. I mean, you needed you need pretty much needed Higgs. I mean, the only guy that hit two home runs yesterday, Kyle Higashioka, right? You didn't have him in your Yankee stack. It didn't matter. So it's not like the, the Yankees really didn't get there. Cause like Torres had two, right? Torres, Odor had five, which for him, I guess is better than zero. Judge four, Urshela seven. So maybe, yeah, the Yankees really didn't get there other than Higashioka. He was 8% owned. 
Oakland got there, no matter pretty much. No matter, I mean, the, the, the chalk way to go would be like uh, Loriano, Canha. I mean, look at this 20%, 70%, 15%. Sean Murphy is a catcher. He hit a home run. Right. Jed Lowry had 20 points. Yeah. So, like the five man Oakland, I mean, the three man to five man Oakland got there. Houston, on the other hand, Astros, not so much. Correa was fine. Tucker was okay at 10. But like like Alvarez put up a donut, the 20% ownership. Brantley, Brantley got went yard. Altuve, two, did that didn't get there. Bregman, two. So now the five-man Oakland stack, the five-man Houston stack didn't get. You need like one-offs, maybe two guys, something like that. But still mostly the chalk. I mean, like the A's were chalk. The Glasnow, Peralta, and the A's. And if you could have got if you had that plus enough points elsewhere. You, you you had a good chance of taking down something. I went I went in a little bit different directions. Now I did have some A's, I did have some Astros, and I did have some Yankees, but I I was focused I was focused primarily on the Marlins Braves game. So my 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 biggest exposure yesterday was Marlins Braves Nationals, and who else, and the Brewers. Then I mixed in everything else. So, so I still had A's. I still had, you know, because I was playing on FanDuel. So I was playing 4-3-1s, 4-4s, 4-3-1s. So I, st- I still had, but just not as much. So I was focusing on 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 stacks like like, like Acuna, Ozuna, Freeman, Albies, you know, like the, the Braves. And then they, they, they were owned on FanDuel, but not like, not as high owned as I thought. I think we, we had, we had Freddie Freeman, uh, projected owned at like 24% yesterday. And uh, it came in at 14% on, on FanDuel. But that's the main reason, like stacking the, the Braves. Yeah, I thought Freeman would be chalky. So it's like, okay, I don't want to play. I ne- don't necessarily want to play Freeman as a one-off in like an Oakland stack or something like that. So it's like, okay, well, how about if I just play like, okay, people are going to be playing Alvarez. If people are going to be playing like Loriano, if people are going to be playing, like paying up there, for outfields, it's like, why not play Ronald Acuna? Why not? Why not do it? And then the Marlins, of course, no one ever owns the Marlins, and they actually projected extremely well in the bat, right, against Dinoa, who's a higher variance pitcher, and they're getting a ballpark upgrade in, in Atlanta. So, you know, so Corey Dickerson, Starling Marte, who, who finally, his price is coming down. He was priced up for no apparent reason. Garrett Cooper, right? I had all, I had all those guys. I had all, all the Marlins. Uh, and then I thought the Nationals, I thought the Nationals, I think people don't don't realize, like, they, they're getting people back. Like, for the first time, they, they have Josh Bell, they have Kyle Schwarber in the lineup. So I thought people, I mean, they, it's not like they were underpriced, that underpriced, but uh, I thought they'd, they'd, they have a better lineup now than they have the first week and a half of the season. So I t- decided to take advantage of that. And they didn't do that badly, Right. You know, Robles, Robles was leading off of the Nationals. He was 1.6% owned on FanDuel, right? Like the Nationals were barely owned on FanDuel. I mean, Soto was owned. Soto was like 12%. But that's one of those other things. Like if people are paying up for Jordan Alvarez or Otani or these A's, right? If they're paying up for those guys, they're paying up for standard judge. Like who, what, what could I do that's different than that? While still playing Glasnow, right? While still playing Glasnow and Peralta on DraftKings or something. Well, people are playing up for Yankees. 
or an A's in Houston, right? Like, well, Acuna's there, Soto's there, right? Trout, right? Trout's there. I mean, you, you, there are multiple ways to go, especially on a, on a 12-game slate. turned into an 11-game slate because the Mets game was postponed. But that's, to me, that's how you should be thinking. Because you can see here, even in the, in, in the mini home run record, whatever, the $7.62, uh, whatever DraftKings does with these numbers, who cares? Just make it seven bucks. Let's make it easy. Eight bucks. I don't care. Don't make these little cutesy, cutesy contests. Just make it, make it an $8 contest and run it every day. What's wrong with that? But you can see here with just, just exposures, like most of the sharper players, they don't just, they don't just go all in on batters. Now pitchers is a different story. Like we have here, like RBX 88 kind of flipped this. Uh, no, where, where are we going? Utica kind of flipped the script. Like you tell here, you can tell construction is just by pitchers. Because look here at the pitchers, like Utica went heavy on like Garrett Cole Glasnow lineups. And in order to make those, you had to have cheap stacks, but he still played A's. So it's like, what stacks could he have had? Right, Vogelback, he was cheap. Right, Van Meter, Van Meter, and Andrews, he was okay, bottom of the order. Cole Halhun, the Diamondbacks, yeah, I had a bunch of the Diamondbacks yesterday because they were cheap. Kane, bottom of the order, Piscotti. Travis Russell, Milwaukee, Carpenter. Okay. You have to find some cheap stuff. You know, you get those two guys in. Mazzara, right? Okay. Tigers. Candelario. Okay. Ahmed. Okay. Now, now, now I see how he's making. He's, he's making like kind of like Detroit stacks. Blue Jays. Just a random one-off catcher for the Blue Jays. Rowdy Talcas. He had some Blue Jays also, even with Cole. So probably not in the Cole lineups. Right, I could take a look here. So that's what I'm looking for. Brett Phillips, yeah, he was. He was. How how many? How much cheap stuff can he throw in so he can make these Cole Glasnow lineups? Now he didn't get there because of it. I mean, Cole put up 29 points, but that doesn't mean anything when you have Peralta putting up 31 and Noah putting up like tons. Alex Cobb put up a bunch of points. So like 29 points out of a 10k plus pitcher ain't gonna cut it. So it's kind of hard in, in results to be to see like the stack percentages because you just see individual players, but you could do it. You go through, you take like the one main guy or something and say like, how many stacks of this team? Like I look at Soto. So it looks like everyone, I mean, had, had some Soto. Got Soto there, like Trey Turner. Okay. So, so, okay. So the Nationals. Trey Turner was 8%. Soto was 9% on, on, on DraftKings going through all of this. This is what I do in the morning. I mean, this is this is the first time I'm looking at this, right? Of course, I pulled out a couple of couple of people. Typically, I go, well, who placed high enough? And that 150 max. And like, okay, let me take a look at a bunch of these people. All right? Is, is there anything that they did that I didn't do? And baseball is a little bit different because I'm primarily going by stacks. But yeah, you tell me that Torres is 20%. Like... Torres, I didn't mind as a one-off because he's shortstop eligible. So, like, there's not many shortstops. But these outfielders, like playing Jordan Alvarez as a one-off, or Loriano, Canhal leading off. I don't know, just looking through here. I, can't, I don't know why Jazz Chisholm was 10% owned on DraftKings. People just punted. People just thought, I just I, I can't get Torres, so I'm just gonna, I'm just going to pay cheap. Because he wasn't like that cheap. He was like maybe 3,200. It's not like he was 2,000. 
I mean, I had Jazz Chisholm, but I mean, he was in Marlins stacks. I wouldn't have expected him to get nearly 11% ownership. I was just going down here saying, checking it out. What did you guys do in the YouTube chat? I don't know. Nate Bradshaw asks, similar to basketball, are you more likely to jam in late news in baseball? I don't know what le- what really late news there would be. Like yesterday, we had that Stanton thing. I'm 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 in GPP. I'm more likely to uh, to lean towards risk when it's worth it. Okay, that's a, that's a good way to put it. When it's worth it. So like yesterday. Stanton, you know, we got the, the tweets or whatever, and maybe he doesn't play. He's in the lineup. He's in the official. He's in the one they announced lineup, but he, maybe he's going to sit out this game. So people don't know. So you know what people end up doing? They go, I don't know if I can play Stanton. Now, nothing's in the DraftKings or FanDuel screen. So, like, unless you knew about that tweet, if you knew about that news, there's nothing that you're changing, right? Because you wouldn't even know. It says that he's batting second. It's in the it's in the apps. There's no tag. There's no nothing. So you just have to think in terms of how are people going to get scared off of that type of stuff. Me, I the when I, it's it's a, what what they say in the stock market like be be fearful when people are greedy and be greedy when people are fearful. Like that's kind of what I do in DFS. So like yesterday we had like the the Seattle Baltimore game that was you know, questionable because of the rain. Uh, most people overreact to delays. Okay. Most, most people, right. They say if they, if they, if, if it's 10 minutes before lock and they say, Oh, blah, 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 blah is going to be delayed, not postponed delayed. Most people get off of it. You'll see the ownership dip crazy in that game. Even if they're going to late start, even if, I mean, that's to me, I listen to Roth primarily to see the chances of something happening that the field is not, is not considering enough. It's just, just, it's the same type of probabilistic thinking you do with, with ownership versus projection, the same type of thing. So like there was the, the, the game, the other the last week with Lance Lynn, remember that white Sox game where Lance Lynn, and we had that Barrios Lynn, you know, like and people wanted to play Lynn. But it's like, uh-oh, that, that game's in trouble. That game, it's going to rain for like two to two and a half hours at game time. And it's the type of thing where if they start the game, they're going to have a big delay and maybe the pitchers are gone. But if they if they delay it now and then late start it two and a half hours from now, they'll be fine. So that's what Roth said. said he, he said it's most likely if they, if they delay it at the start, they could get this game. They could be play perfectly clean two and a half hours from now. Are they going to wait two and a half hours? Well, that's not up to him, right? That's up to the teams. That's up to the whatever. That's that has nothing to do with the, him looking at the weather. So, like, that's the information. Take take what you want with it. So, me, I'm just like, well, if they're going to late start and it's going to be fine. Lance Lynn is to me the best projected pitcher on the slate, uh, with the highest upside. So, give it to me. And his, his ownership got cut in half easily just once they announced the game was being delayed. Because people because people didn't don't even look at the weather report. They don't like they just see game is delayed. Oh, I've got to get them out of lineups. Got to get all these guys out of my lineups. Like, dude, they can play this game two and a half hours from now. So people get people get scared of it. 
Now, yesterday with the Seattle-Baltimore game, it was a very similar situation. My attitude was is that it was 50-50 on whether or not they're even going to play after after a late start. Right after, like, okay, it's, it's going to be announced as a delay before lock. Maybe they play two hours from now, and maybe they don't. But then I take a look, and I go, it's a 12-game slate. I wanted to play Seattle in Baltimore. I wanted to play, uh, who, who was pitching for the Baltimore? Kramer? I mean, some crappy pitchers. I, and I like taking road teams in Baltimore, especially when they're cheap. And the Mariners were cheap. But there's 11 other games on the slate. How great How great is that spot? For hitters, the pitchers I had no interest in. But Justice Sheffield and, and, and whatever, Kramer, whatever his name is. I wasn't interested in them. And then I looked at the projections for, for Seattle and Baltimore and it's not that they're popping or anything. It's like, okay, this now people are not going to be playing this game. Yes. If I wanted to play a Seattle stack yesterday, it would be you low owned, right? We could take a look. Like we could look like Marmalejos or whatever, whatever. 2, 2.53% owned, right? Who else is in the Seattle lineup? I don't even know who's in the Seattle lineup. Hanniger. 3.97% on. So it's not even that low owned. We had, look, some people still had some Seattle stacks, right? But I have to think in terms of what is it, is it worth it? Or maybe, maybe if you're playing a hundred liners, maybe you play them in five, maybe if you want to take a shot, sure. But to me, is it worth it? I'm playing Diamondbacks. I'm playing Marlins. I'm playing under own nationals. Like I'm already playing stuff that's kind of off the board as it is. Do I need, do I need, if that, what's the worst thing that happens? The game plays. Oh, it doesn't mean anything. It's not like, it's not like basketball. Like you got to jam these guys in. And the ownership didn't even get to be that, that low. You told me these guys are going to be under 1% owned as a stack. Maybe then I take a shot, but no, still ended up three, 4% owned with zeros. Cause obviously the game didn't play, but wasn't worth it on a 12 game slate. If, a three game slate, four game slate. Okay. Then I take a shot. How many other options do I have, right? You look at that game, and then you look at the, uh, there's two aces pitching in two other games. It's like, do I take the team against, like, the best pitcher in baseball, or do I take a team that, one of the teams in the game that may be rained out? Or maybe you take a shot in the teams, one of the teams that's rained out. To me, it's about opportunity cost. The, the Lance Lynn example, I thought the risk was accept- acceptable. And I... I think Kevin Roth is is great weather forecaster for 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 baseball. He has to project. He has to predict what's going to happen in one one city block. He's not going to be right one hundred percent of the time. Of course not. And then of course he can't control what the teams do. I mean, he even said after after they after they postponed the game, they're like, and if they would have just waited a half an hour, they would have been fine. They postponed it, and then he look he looks at the radar and goes, they could have just they could have played right now and been fine. So there's no control over that. But I like looking at the context and seeing if people are going to overreact to certain things. So to me, that's that's the equivalent of jamming in late news because there's really no jamming in late news in in in, in baseball. What well, we had the Rodon right yesterday. Oh, Rodon got scratched for an illness, and Keuchel was going to pitch. Does that change anything? I didn't necessarily want to stack the Indians against Rodon. And I don't want to stack him against Keuchel. I'm not saying Keuchel's a great pitcher, but he's a ground ball pitcher. He typically doesn't get blown up. So what am I changing? Am I going to play Keuchel now against the Indians? No, no probably not. 
compared to Peralta at that price. So it doesn't really change anything. The only time it would change is if like, like if if it was Giolito and then he, him getting scratched and some scrub from the minor leagues put in, then he may look at the batter pricing and go, oh, the, you know, the Indians are underpriced now because they were priced down for facing an ace pitcher and now they're they're too cheap. I mean, it's that type of that type of situation. Because Keuchel was normally priced. It's like, like it's not like oh Rodon is out and now Keuchel's minimum price because they just left him. Uh, no, he was he was like seventy seven hundred or seventy one hundred or whatever. So it's like it's not like basketball where a guy that's four thousand comes into someone's role and should be eight thousand. You don't see that in baseball. Yeah, I think I answered Frederick. I think I answered your question about handling games that are very questionable due to weather. And scramble for last minute swapping. I scramble more for for swapping when it comes to having you know like some of the late game lineups not being in. Like I'm building Dodger stacks and I'm I'm assuming that AJ Pollock is in right, and then it turns out Chris Taylor's in. Like those those the swaps. Though that's typically what I'm swapping. I've already planned out what I'm going to do with the, the the weather stuff. Most of the time, if if a game gets postponed before lock, I mean, I just don't have them in my, my in my player pool to begin with. I could just X those guys out and run it again. But you have to weigh how how much how much is it worth? Twelve game slate, teams that don't that don't project poorly, but don't project great. You're playing them because they're going to be under. You, you want to play? I wanted to play Seattle because I thought they would be under owned as it is. But it's not like they were in a great spot. It's like, okay, here's, 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 here's anything could happen. It's baseball. But it's like I could say anything could happen. It's baseball to like six other spots. So instead of playing five, six percent Seattle lineups, I just say, screw it. I X out that and I just give more to the Marlins, give more to the Diamondbacks, right? Give more to the Nationals. Because the Seattle, because the Seattle, because the Seattle stack is cheap. So you have to go to the cheap, cheap guys. You just get more than that. So what? what's that? Oh, my God, they play and Seattle scores eight runs. And I should have played them. It's baseball. The chances of that happening versus the game being postponed and 10% of my lineups are dead. Do I need 10% of my lineups dead when I could already play stacks that are 3% owned as it is? So that, that's how I view it. Doesn't mean you don't have, you, you have to view it that way. But if I'm already playing off the board stuff, then why do I have to continue playing? Okay, well, here's an off the board thing that's even risky. To even get, I may get zeros. It's like, why even bother? Oh, uh, let's see. Brett Booth, did I over leverage? That baseball, you can't even think in terms of over or under leverage. You're almost always, doesn't you're stacking. It's all, it's all, you can't, I, I see the question, Brett. You can't go by cumulative ownership. You can't, like, you can normally not really go. That's just a very blunt guide. You have to think in terms of, of an MLB, Lineups are way more correlated than in any and in most other sports. Maybe not League of Legends, and maybe not NHL. NHL is about the same. So, like, if, if, like when you say like, oh, 110 pone projected ownership with a four four. Like, I don't. To me, I only need I only need on Fanduel. I need I w- I would just need three 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 figures, pitcher ownership. Stack ownership of this four and stack ownership of that four. Because if like uh, Mike Trout's in the lineup, it's more likely that Otani's in that lineup or more, more likely that Walsh is in that lineup. Take a look at the A's. Any lineup with Canha is much more likely to have Chapman and Laureano and 
and other A's in it, and Olsen. So you can't just say, well, this guy's 24% owned and that guy's 18% owned and this guy's 12% owned. Like they're like, no, but if they're all on the same team, they're the likelihood of those people being together in a lineup is way higher than in a sport like NBA or even in football. But NFL, you get some, like the, if Tyreek Hill's in the lineup and Patrick Mahomes, like that can't just go, oh, he's 12% Patrick Mahomes, 18% Tyreek Hill, and 20% Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey. Like they're more likely to be together. So it's not just eight, it's not like two two receivers at 20%. So like, oh, 10%, like a, a, a mix has both of them in it. It's like, no, it's more likely to be more than that because people play correlative lineups. So the same thing in baseball. So to me, you don't think in terms of like, oh, well, if I if I multiply all these A's together and then put in Glasnow and Peralta and then multiple, oh, I should have a unique lineup. And then you go and you look and you you're you're five three with those two pitchers are duplicated eight times. Your your Houston Oakland lineup, and you go, how did that happen? I should have a unique lineup. No, it's more likely that these five guys you, you take the top five hitters from the Oakland and you put them together with 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 Jordan Alvarez, and I mean, yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have the same lineup because you're more those A's are more likely to be together with one another. So you can't treat their ownership individually. You have to treat the stack. What's the aggregate ownership of the stack? What's the average ownership of the stack? That's the figure that I care about. Not the individual pieces. You don't, the only time I care about individual ownership is if I'm going to be playing players individually. I'm playing a five-man stack with three one-offs. And I'm playing a chalk 32% one-off for no apparent reason. Like, then I care about it. Jerome Lewis asked, Blender, did you double stud Cole Glasnow lineup? No, I didn't play on DraftKings. I've been playing on FanDuel primarily. For GPP, they've cheaper. You know, if 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 they're both if both these sites are going to be running like top such top heavy payout structures, and I and I and in baseball, I I I prefer to play multi entry rather than like I'm going to build three lineups like that type of thing. I can, I just prefer to build a hundred. So if I'm going to build a hundred, do I want to pay eighteen dollars an entry or do I want to play four dollars an entry? Even though the field sizes are bigger on FanDuel, the payout structures are both, FanDuel's a little bit, a little bit more top heavy, but DraftKings is is pretty top heavy as it is. You know, like when, when six places, a thousand bucks, I mean like uh, way too top heavy, but if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to build a hundred lineups, I'll, I'll do it on in a three or $4 contest than in an $18 contest for GPP. So that, that's the main reason it has nothing really anything else. And obviously now with the multi-positional eligibility, like I'm trying, I'm just experimenting with like leaving money on the table with stack combinations, just to get a sense, just to get a sense. Cause I, I never, I never focused that much on Fandle before. DraftKings. I know. So, so DraftKings, I, I don't, I don't feel like there's anything different this year that I, that may be a slightly bigger edge. I also feel that on Fandle, they tend to attract maybe a little bit softer, softer user base. I could definitely tell that in cash games. I could absolutely tell that in cash games. Like MLB cash on DraftKings is, I mean, it's very rare for me to say like, like, oh, is, is, is it pointless? Is there an edge there? It, it's the answer. The answer may be there. There is none. Fandle, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with. 
FanDuel, I get head-to-heads taken. I take a look at their lineups and I go, I hope you keep on taking them. Even if I lose that day. So 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 I've been putting more more emphasis on FanDuel. I've never for, for five and a half years of playing DFS. I'm almost coming up on so it'll be in October, it'll be six years. I played primarily in DraftKings because that was where I started and I played soccer there. FanDuel has soccer, but their product sucks. So I didn't focus on it. That's why that's why I can still play the one and two dollar games on FanDuel. I didn't have as much volume over the course of five and a half years. Maybe I maybe, maybe I've been leaving money on the table. So I'm gone seeing. Play more FanDuel. I'm going where the money is. Going where the, the easiest money is. And maybe that's on FanDuel. So that's what I'm doing. Jacob Calloway asks question with a one-off player pool curation. Are you generally looking for high home run upside? I guess. Sometimes you're playing a guy just because they fit. Sometimes, sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes in order to get these two stacks in, let's say you're playing a 4-3-1 or something on FanDuel. Like the only, the only way to get this 4-3 in with an expensive 4-3 is you need to punt, uh, you know, at shortstop with a $2,200 shortstop. You have Jazz Chisel in there. And, and there, there's your one-off. Sometimes, sometimes it's that. Sometimes if you're making, you know, like a, a five-man stack lineup, on on DraftKings and you're playing like an expensive pitcher, maybe your second baseman has to be, you know, just like oh, it's a one-off, it's a one-off, then just name some crappy second baseman, right? Some low hitting, the eighth hitting second being oh, I guess I'm playing three thousand dollar whoever. Well, you could do that. That's perfectly fine. I'm I'm more likely to look at some look for have someone as a one-off that could get value in one swing of the bat. Yeah, sure. Okay. But there are lineups that you can make that you don't you don't need that if it if it makes the lineup work. I mean, we do the same thing in any other sport. Uh, let's see. Brett Booth says I read somewhere as a strategy to limit one offs to under twenty percent ownership to use it as a leverage point. Yesterday I tried to fit in Soto that way, low low projected ownership power with the projection. Yeah, I mean I did that also. The reason with the one offs, okay, understand understand. Why you're doing that by not why playing uh, high owned one offs is typically a bad. I say the word typically, typically a bad GPP strategy for large field GPPs. Understand why it's not about the batter. It's about the stack. Okay, so typically the one off guy is also related to the stack. So if the Boston Red Sox are chalk and J.D. Martinez is 26% owned, well, Devers is owned and Bogarts is owned and Verdugo is owned, Vasquez at catcher or something or Kiki Hernandez, whatever. Let's say the, the Red Sox are chalk. I'm just making it up, right? The Red Sox are chalk and J.D. Martinez on, on an 11-game slate is 26% owned. Well, if J.D. Martinez gets there, it's more likely that the stack gets there. So if you're not playing the Red Sox stack in that lineup, why are you playing a 20? Why are you playing? Why are you playing the highest owned one off from the team that's the chalk? You that one, you're building a lineup with uh, whoever, right? I'm, 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 you're playing a Astros lineup. Well, your Astros lineup is going to lose to the Red Sox lineup if the Red Sox put up 10 runs today. And who's going to be the most contributive to put up those 10 runs in the Red Sox lineup? JD Martinez. So, why do you want him as a one off? In your lineup, you're going to lose to the Red Sox stack. 
So that's that's what it, that's what it really means. I mean, also due to the fact that it's baseball and f- within four or five at bats, anything could happen. So why are you playing a twenty six percent on guy when Juan Soto could be sitting there at seven percent? Right? I mean, like, like that. That's that also works. But I don't like playing the highest owned player in the highest owned stack as a one off because that that means I'm not playing the stack. I'll play it in a stack. I'll play the highest owned stack with him. Sure. I'm not going to play him as a one-off. More likely than not. That doesn't mean never, typically. But that's the main reason. The win condition of that lineup, that Astros lineup that you make, is on the uh, is them outscoring the Red Sox on that day. And if, the, if that happens, most likely J.D. Martinez doesn't have a big game. So why, you, why the hell are you putting him in your lineup? Especially when he's going to be the highest owned. I mean, like, you have to think in those terms. That's that's relative value. That's that's thinking in terms of leverage. It's not exact leverage, but how do I get the most relative value with this lineup? If I'm not playing the chalk Red Sox stack, the most I'm getting relative value by getting the better stack, and the Red Sox are doing poorly. Not the Red Sox putting up nine runs and your stack putting up eleven runs. You want the Red Sox? If the Red Sox stack is eighteen percent aggregate ownership, like super chalk. You want them to put up one run. You want them to die. That eliminates a fifth of the lineups in the contest. And you don't have any of it. Now your stack doesn't need to put up 15 runs to win. It needs to put up less. People don't think of that second, that second thing. People look too linearly. They go, okay, the Red Sox are going to be chalk. I'm going to play the Nationals, Right. And then you, and someone lo- and someone goes to you and says, well, the Red Sox have a six-run implied total. The Nationals have a four-run implied total. You really think the Nationals are going to put up more runs than the Red Sox? I'd like, it's not about more. I'm not predicting outcomes. All I know is that as the Nationals put up more runs and the Red Sox put up less runs, I make more points. So my National stack doesn't have to put up 15 runs to win. The less that the let's say the Red Sox were chalk and the Astros were chalk and there are three teams that are kind of chalky. Like, dude, my national my national stack could put up seven runs and win. Well, how is that possible on a twelve game slate? Well, the three chalk stacks don't right. All that ownership is there, and if those teams put up two runs, all those lineups are pretty much dead. So, how many runs do I need out of my lineup? I don't need twelve. Maybe I win with seven. I win a four-man stack, seven runs. It's a low-scoring slate, and I win. This is not about predicting outcomes. It's predicting what the field's going to do and how how you could get the most amount of relative value. The same thing if I'm playing the chalk stack and I look at the chalk picture and I go, well, I think think Glasnow is, you know, the best rejected picture on the slate. But what happens if Glasnow fails at 58% ownership? How could I get relative value out of this chalk eight-stack lineup? Well, I'll play Garrett Cole. I'll play, I'll play Peralta on FanDuel, right? Who wasn't as owned. So you didn't have to go, really didn't have to pay that down over there. What is my win condition with this lineup? And you can play multiple win conditions. This lineup has Glasnow with a different stack. This one has Oakland with a different picture. You can do that. Frederick Duke asks, uh, do you use lineup HQ range of outcome settings? No. The only reason you use that is if you need to get more diversification. Why don't I want to just trust the projections? People, oh, you're overthinking things. Josh Hunter, is the RG stack leverage tool your primary means of researching projected stack ownership? 
Yeah, I mean, you take a look at ownership. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would look at, I would look at that. I mean, you could just look at the, you just look at the ownership in lineup HQ. You could just look at it. Oh, this bad, these batters are going to go team by team. And you go, oh, okay. Well, this guy's twenty four percent owned. His team is probably owned. Keith Espinosa, when playing two sports on the same day, is it still okay to have ten percent in each sport so that you have twenty percent of your bankroll in play on a certain day? Does this not violate Kelly? I don't think it matters. I would think it's two different things. I mean, it's just a matter of risk tolerance. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that granular in terms of my bankroll when playing two sports on the same day. What should it matter? That's why when it comes to like cash games, I just assign a bankroll. Like what I do this year, $20,000. I take 10% of my bankroll and I go, it's, this is for cash games for this sport. And that's it. And that that's bankroll for cash games. 20,000 for NBA, right? Whatever 10% is at the time. And that is less for the whole season. So I can win a GPP, but it's still like my cash bankroll is right here. Maybe then I add to it, maybe. But then I don't have to worry about things like that. Like, well, how much are you playing on a specific day? Well, who cares? What does it matter? Oh, any more questions in the YouTube chat? It's going to be a short show today. Short show today. Eli, Eli's in the, in the producing. So give a thumbs up for him, right? Thummy thumbs. If, if you want to get all these tools for MLB, you could always click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month at Roto-Grinders. Yeah, short show. Answer, answer some questions. You can go to theoryofdfs.com, my 15-hour audio masterclass. It, it talks about all of this. If you want, if you want one, one-stop shop, one structured education to get the... Get all these concepts in your head. And you can go, go over and over it. I mean, people listen to it multiple times. But I think for the, the most, the, the mo- from what I've been gathering the first two weeks of the MLB season, is I, people are overthinking this. You're getting too granular. You know what I did yesterday? I just took a look and I decided what teams I'm going to play based on the ownership, based on projection versus ownership. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to play a bunch of the Marlins. I'm going to play a bunch of the Braves. I'm going to play a bunch of the, bunch of the Nationals bunch of the Diamondbacks, and then I'm playing 100 lineups. Mesh them together as best you can there. Give me 100 lineups. Then I see what comes out. And I, oh, I'm getting 47% of Glaber Torres in the shortstop spot. as like a one-off in a 4-3-1 stack. I cap them to 20%. I'm okay, run it again. Like It's not, it's not, it's not rocket science. You see what the field's going to do. How can I exploit that? That's it. Then just build a bunch of lineups. And you could, you could build God knows how many lineups. Oh, well, I'm only playing three lineups. Well, choose three of them. Well, what three should I choose? Probably doesn't matter. Probably doesn't. You could take three of the, out of the hundred that I make, and they're all fine. Which three should I? Who knows? Who cares? Which three? Take, take one of each stack. Play, take three of the same stack. Who knows? Probably similar, similar expected values. So just whatever. That's why I like playing a lot of lineups in, in baseball. Because the differences between like a thousand different lineups isn't, isn't, isn't dramatic. But I see a lot of people making mistakes in large field GPPs, not correlating, have, have you know, they're playing chalk, 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 chalk together. And I'm like, well, why aren't I putting in 100 lineups here? That's what I do. But it's, you don't have to overthink it. Most of the work is done for you. If you have Roto-Grinders Premium and you have the plate IQ projections or you sign up for the bat to get Derek Cardi's projections, 95% of the work is done for you. Now you just have to see what the what the what what do you think the field is going to do? What your opponents are going to do? The sizes of the contest and the strength of the contest you're in, and start building lineups. 
Start stacking and cracking and stacking. There you go and see what happens and treat your whole play over the course of 180 slates. There's one baseball slate. Can't judge anything by that. I'm, 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 I'm playing, I'm playing 180 slates for the two or three times. I'm playing a full season for the two or three times that I can get to the top. And that's it. So most of the time you, you're going to be sitting there going up. Oh, I, I don't got that guy. Close the laptop, right? Faded the chalk stack and they're good. 12 runs. Close the laptop. Faded the chalk pitcher up. He has 50 points. Close the laptop. That's perfectly fine. Uh, Christopher Donaldson on the theory of DFS podcast. You said projections don't matter because the variance is ridiculous. That's correct. If the batters only succeeded average 30% of the time, wouldn't you want the range of outcomes at 70%? You could change the range of outcomes to 70% on lineup HQ. You basically destroy the projections. So now what, what are the, you have to make the choices. Like that's, I'm not letting the optimizer make the choices. Understand that. That's why I don't change the range of outcomes to zero past zero. I've already made those choices. If I set the range of outcome to 70%, essentially the, the optimizer is just going to randomly give me stuff just randomly. Right, most likely, yes. Yeah, says the chalk will be slightly little, and the better project will be slight, but it's going to be all over the place. If I put my the range of range of outcomes at seventy percent and press the build button on hundred lineups, the first hundred and the second hundred aren't even going to look like one another. It's just going to be ran, a random mess. If I just did that, but if I then go beforehand and go, I think this team's underowned. I think that team's underowned. I think this construction is going to be underowned. And then you go, okay, these are the types of lineups I want to build. And then I just tell the optimizer to do it. So what do I need? What do I need randomness for? I've already decided what I'm going to do. If I put it on 70% uh, range of outcomes. That's not even going to change my lineups much. I've already excluded players. I've already said, I'm not going to play this guy. That stack. I'm going under on that. I'll play a little bit of Oakland, but not that much. Like, so I, I don't need, I don't need randomness. What is randomness? What's the purpose of it? I've already decided what I want to do. Ryan Baracco, is it worthwhile to play a 4-3-1 instead of a 4-4 in Fandle? Yeah, sure. You should be. Why not? I play both. The larger the slates, I'll say this a million times and people don't, people don't listen. So I know I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say this at least once a week, twice a week, 15 times a week on the show. The larger the slate, the more important correlation is. The smaller the slate, the less important it is. Now, remember, Look at my, listen to the words that I'm saying. And I say the words on purpose, specific words. The larger the slate, the more important correlation is. The smaller the slate, the less important correlation is. Not that it's not important, just that it's less important. Larger slate, it doesn't mean you have to correlate. It just means it's more important. Those are the terms you should be using. Not yeses and nos, not always and nevers. On a large slate, I'm more likely to build more 4-4 lineups, 4-3-1 lineups. So Five-game slate? I mean, 3-3-2, 3-2-1-1, you could do that. That's not, that's, not a, that's, that's not poor strategy. You could also, on a smaller slate, on a four-game slate, still do a 4-4. Yeah, you could still do that. That's perfectly fine also. Correlation is just less important. There's less teams that could put up 10 runs in a game, like have a team go off where the where the four-man or the five-man stack is good, puts up enough points. On a four-game slate, there aren't as many teams. 12-game slate, there's 24 teams that could possibly do that. You may get two or three that put up a bunch of runs. So if two or three teams are going to be putting up 10-plus runs, 
more likely that four or five of those guys on those teams are going to be in the winning lineups. So it wouldn't be nice to get two of those together in a 4-4? Right, of course. Smaller slate, you'd have less teams that are likely to do that. That's it. Brett Booth, you're asking the same question I answered before. Did I over leverage? There's no over There's no over. You have to look at stack ownership. I don't know why I have to repeat this. I don't know why. You're telling me cumulative ownerships. I don't care. Cumulative ownership does not matter in DFS at all. At all. Zero. Cumulative ownership does not matter at all. It's a blunt tool to compare two lineups together. On what's one is going to be more owned or less owned. It doesn't compute leverage. It has nothing to do with relative value. So cumulative ownership in and of itself has no bearing. It should have no bearing whatsoever on your decisions. You could have played a, a cumulative ownership lineup that was 185 that had twice as much leverage as your lineup with one with 110. Could have twice, it could have had twice as much leverage and be communal. The ownership sum could have been, like you said, like winner forecast with, with 131 projected ownership. Well, number one, once you see the contest, who cares about the projected ownership? You want to care about the actual ownership. So that lineup could actually have three times more leverage than your lineup. You had a 138 with 110. Yeah, the 131 line could have had three times more leverage. But, but the cumulative ownership, it's, yeah. So he could have had a 50% owned guy, a 50% owned guy, and then four guys at 1% owned as a stack. And the correlation matters in baseball, right? So 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%, and then super mega chalk had 200 ownership sum, and his lineup would be like a million times more, more leverage than your lineup with a lower ownership sum of 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. Right, because the communal of ownership doesn't matter. If anything, the product, the ownership product would matter. Multiply them together, if anything. In baseball, it's very hard to, to under or over. The, I, don't, I don't even think in those terms. It's the highest variant sp- team sport there is. It's primarily correlation. And because it's primarily correlation, you're not comparing individual player ownership. You're comparing stack ownership. Stack ownership, stack ownership, pitcher ownership, put lineups together. You're done. You're done. You're done. That's it. There's nothing else. You can't make lineups in MLB in like in like six minutes. You're doing something wrong. Like if you're building, if you're building 20 lineups or something, lineup HQ, if you're if you're spending more than, than spending more than 10 minutes doing it, I don't I don't know what I don't know what you'd be doing. You're building 20 line. I don't, I don't even know what you'd be doing. What are you doing? Dude, I built a hundred lineups and I, I Many days, I'm I'm ten minutes. How much going to take? You make your de- I, thinking about what decisions you make before you touch the tool. I've already done that, so I've already looked. I've already looked. Okay, this this, this okay this construction this lineup. Okay, hmm. less people are going to play that because of this. And then once you decide, all you're doing is programming a, a tool. I'm putting in the stack percentages, right? I'm putting and then pressing the button. Then seeing what comes out and say, oh, why am I getting, do I want to play Chuck Glaber Torres as a one-off shortstop in all these 4-3-1 lineups? No, I don't. So how many Yankee stacks do I have? I've got 12 of them, 12%. So I, okay, so I'll put, I'll put Glaber Torres down to 12% to make sure that he just kind of jams into the stacks 
and I don't play him as a one-off. Done. To press the button again. Then you run it, and, and then, you, then you see what happens. Oh, I'm getting Josh Van Meter as a one-off now in like 30% of my lineups. Do I want that? So I see how many, how many stacks do I have of the Diamondbacks? Oh, I got 18 stacks of the Diamondbacks. Now I could just click the button, the only in stacks button, and just make sure that Josh Van Meter is only in stacks. So I could do that. I click on the button, only in stacks, and then run it again. Then I look and I go, okay, nothing like pops out. Nothing is like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. And then I upload it. Then I export the copy and paste. And there you go. You're done. Done. That's it. That the, the projections are there. They're already done for you. Like anything else that you're, I don't have to, I don't have to research for baseball. The projections are there. So if they, I just have to see the, what, what, what's the field going to do. How many people are going to be playing Oakland today? Because sometimes the highest owned teams aren't owned enough. Right? Sometimes you say, oh, like, oh, everyone's going to play this team. Like, Maybe they should be playing more of it. Sometimes we get those in Dodgers or something or the Coors game. It's like, oh, people are fading Coors because it's Coors, right? Because everyone plays stack scores. Maybe that day the Coors is the most popular, you know, you know, combination, but it's still under-owned. I look and I go, actually, there's positive leverage even playing Coors. I, maybe I double down on it. That Those are decisions I'm making before lineup HQ. But once you make those decisions and then you go to lineup HQ, how... It's baseball. DraftKings, you're playing five man stacks. Fans, are you playing four man stacks? What's so complicated? Plug them in, right? I want to play this team, that team, this team, that team, that team. Fucking run it. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Ryan Baracco, since there's so much variance in batter scores, wouldn't playing the highest projected, highest upside pitcher make the most sense? Because low price bats could be easily be up. Yes. You could see that's exactly what we do. I mean, take a look at these sharp players, 150 max, playing chalk pitchers, playing the highest rejected, the prize rejected pitcher combination on DraftKings was Glasnow and Peralta. Well, that's what pretty much everyone did, right? Pitchers are less variant. And especially on a large slate, there's so many ways to get different with bats. So yes, that's why I, that's why I showed this in results DB. Sharp players have no problem jamming in the pitchers, the highest projected pitchers. But you can see here that no one like no one's jamming in seventy percent of of Glaber Torres. No one's going to say, "Oh, I'm going to hinge my entire all 150 lineups on Kyle Tucker." Like no, no one's doing that. So yes, you'd be correct. I typically I play the highest projected pitchers, especially on Fanduel. You only get one. I mean, yeah. That doesn't mean that highest price pitchers. I'm just high in project, projected ones. Sometimes cheaper pitchers. Freddie Peralta projected well. Glasnow projected better than Cole. And Granky for sure. So I'm just going to jam those guys, especially if I'm getting different. If I'm playing a Marlin stack, why, why do I need to get different a pitcher anymore? Playing a Diamondback stack, why do I have to get different a pitcher? But Nationals, I don't have to get... Just give me the best two pitchers. There you go. Done. I don't need any more leverage. I'm done. Okie doke. Hope you guys learned something. We didn't really talk about today's slate. I don't even know what the hell is going on today. What is going on today? Oh, oh we got we got good pitchers today. We got Max Free. Why, why is Max Free so cheap? Against the Marlins. Is he gonna be the de facto SP2? Well, Woodruff's cheap. Bauer. So we're gonna play, be playing Bauer. According to the bat, you played Bauer over Bieber, right? It's Strasburg. Yeah, we got good pitchers today. Got good pitchers today. How about on FanDuel? What are we doing on FanDuel on pitcher? 
It's the first time I'm even checking it out. Okay, we're probably playing Bauer also. Because it's against Colorado, outside of Colorado, and they're horrible. Okay. But it's Trevor Bauer, you never know. So what are we doing here? I can take a look. Let's 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 take a look. What are we doing? Oh, it looks like uh oh, it looks like a mess of crap. You can play Bauer and Bieber together. Yeah, oh, come on. Can DraftKings price these guys up? We get we get what there should be no batters that are in the two thousand dollar range. Like the minimum price should be three thousand at minimum. If and if not thirty five hundred, we were getting guys to you know they're batting fourth twenty two hundred on DraftKings. Vandal's a different story. That's the reason you could play Bieber and Bauer together because yeah, there's a way to get them. There's there's a way to get both of them, and there's a way to get me. You can get me at the theoryofdfs.com if, if if you want to learn about all these concepts. Fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass. Pick it up, theoryofdfs.com. But if you got questions, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here all the time. Right. That's the purpose of this show. We do some review. We answer some questions. We talk about today's slate, possibly. Right. Go over some tools. Right. Metrics. I yell at some people. Yeah. For stupid questions. Yeah. Once in a while, I do that. Do a bunch of stuff. That's what we do here in the morning. I'm trying to help you. Trying to help you guys out. So get the theory of DFS. Uh, come join uh, Roto Grinders Premium. Click the link in the description to get ten dollars off your first month. And uh, then I'll, I'll see you tomorrow because I'm 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 here. I'm here every weekday, Monday through Friday, eleven a.m. Eastern. Here on YouTube for the DFS pregame show, brought to you by RotoGrinders.com.